Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Let me tell you, we're so happy that you're listening in today. In fact, if this is your first time listening or you just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. Today is a special day. We're nearing the end of our Making a Messiah series where we've been looking at stories of Jesus's life and asking the question, who is Jesus? We've looked at evidence of his power, his authoritative teaching, and his claims, and now we're looking at the verdicts about who he is. But today's also special because it's Baptism Sunday. And baptism is a sort of verdict about Jesus. It's the verdict that we make when we decide to follow Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior. If at any point in this message you'd like to ask a question about baptism or even render your own verdict and decide that you want to follow Jesus, send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd love to talk to you about baptism. Well, let's get right into today's message featuring a special guest speaker, Todd Lane. Ruby Chitsey is an 11-year-old girl. She accompanies her mom to work as her mom works at different nursing homes. And you can imagine an 11-year-old girl uh, being at work. Sometimes she's going to get a little bored. And finally, the mom said, you've got to figure out something to do. So Ruby decided that she was going to go to each resident and actually ask them, what are three wishes you have? She got her notebook, got a pen and paper, and she went into each one, and she thought they'd say some big things like maybe a house or a car or money, and she heard some phrases like, I'd really like an electric razor. I'd really like some house shoes. I love Vienna sausages. Ruby said, for some reason, old people really like Vienna sausages. (laughs) Ruby and her mom started to get some of these items. Others at the nursing home heard what they were doing. They decided to chip in a little money. And finally, a GoFundMe page was started called Three Wishes for Ruby's Residences. The expenses aren't that much, but make no mistakes, this is not about the physical gift of a razor or a sausage. This is more of a basic need of being remembered and being cherished and being valued, especially by a child. Guys, I tell you today, our stories matter. They make a difference. And today I want to tell you the story of three different people. And since it's Baptism Sunday, I kind of want to blend or weave their stories with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, one guy we're going to talk about today, he actually was right there at the crucifixion, face to face with Jesus. Another lady we're going to talk about, she was actually right in the graveyard where Jesus was buried. And the final guy, he actually got to see the resurrected Jesus. And this kind of removed any doubt that he would ever have about who Jesus really was. And we'd just be honest with you today. uh, We've been kind of very intentional about this series of leading up to Easter and leading up to this week. That you would make a decision to follow Jesus by believing that he's the son of God, confessing him, and being (laughs) baptized. Let's kind of start with the first person. The cross. It's an interesting symbol that has become really an international symbol of faith. But for Rome, back in Jesus' day, this was an instrument of torture for the worst of criminals. See, the emperor of Rome chose it because it was so painful for somebody to go through. It was a slow, slow death. You see, when you crucified somebody, you could actually extend their death two to three days as they hung on a cross in misery. The man I want you to meet today, he did crucifixions every day. That was his job. Many of you have seen Mike Rowe on Dirty Jobs. Well, this job went beyond anything you could ever imagine. See, the guy started probably as a soldier, just one of them, but now he actually was in charge of all the soldiers. See, he kind of had a 
short job. And what I mean by that is he only had a mile that he had to do his job within. He had to get the prisoner from here to here, but everything had to go off without a hitch. You see, they tried to do everything they could with the prisoner. They tried to strip them down and take all their possessions, especially their clothing. They tried to humiliate them any way they could. And then they would try to beat them within an inch of their life. And that would all lead to one of the most violent types of death this world has ever known. See, you'd get to, as a soldier, you'd kind of get used to the begging of prisoners. You kind of learn to be callous to the tears of the family. It was easy to become hardened. In fact, you were supposed to become a hardened soldier. You kind of live for that moment. But in reality, if people knew what was inside... You kind of just hoped you could get through your day. As a Roman soldier, you didn't care for Jewish people. You see, Jewish people, all they did was cause problems. You had actually seen Jews kill your Roman soldier friends when the mobs kind of got out of control. So in reality, the prisoners weren't just the enemy. The entire crowd was your enemy. The day known as Good Friday, it didn't end for this soldier the way it began. You see, he thought it was just going to be another day to get through. Just another crucifixion to make sure everything goes off just right. There were a lot of people gathered around the cross that day. They said it was his mom and a disciple. There were actually two other people being crucified. They said there was Roman government officials. There was Jewish religious leaders. And it was kind of on a main thoroughfare for everybody to see to make a spectacle out of these people being crucified. But I would just tell you something. Something opened the eyes of this soldier. And probably it's more accurate to say someone opened the eyes of this soldier. This Jesus that was being crucified, he didn't seem angry. He didn't seem scared or fearful. He seemed very sad, but something pushed him toward what most people pulled away from, the cross. It wasn't a normal day. It wasn't a normal crucifixion. This guy wasn't a normal prisoner. He really didn't seem to be a normal man There was something bigger going on here. See, usually this guy that I'm telling you about, this Roman soldier, he didn't think about what he was doing or even who he was doing to it. He just kind of went through the motions. But on this day, everything that was done to Jesus, he saw and he felt it. And he hadn't felt things in a long time. You see, the words of this man, Jesus, kind of penetrated places that had never been penetrated in a long time. It's almost like Jesus was unmasking who he really was. This guy had put blinders on for for his life for the longest time. And now it's almost like Jesus was forcing those blinders to be removed. This guy, Jesus, he talked about God as a father. He talked about forgiveness. He actually was kind to another criminal on a cross right next to him. One of the phrases he said was, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldier's first instinct was to think, I know exactly what I'm doing. But throughout that day, the longer he was around Jesus, what if? What if there's something to this guy? What if what they say about him might be true? He said, it is finished. What if? There's a bigger plan. What if this just isn't isn't the crucifixion of a criminal? What if this is a crucifixion of, of God? And it really wasn't just what he saw in Jesus. It was something he saw in himself. You see, uh, beyond the facade of the Roman soldier, he knew his life was out of control. Maybe he really was the monster that these Jews said he was. 
Well, guys, what I tell you is, as Jesus took his last breath, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all write about what this soldier said about Jesus. He said, this man truly was the son of God. Something changed on that day for someone who just usually tried to get through his day. He probably hated most of what he did and also who he was. On this day, I would tell you, his life was interrupted by the death of Jesus. I wonder if Jesus' death, all the things he saw Jesus go through, kind of forced him to look at himself. There's actually a song by the Sidewalk Prophets. It's called, But You Love Me Anyway. There's some of the verses on the screen. Look what it says. I am the thorn in your crown, but you love me anyway. I am the sweat from your brow, but you love me anyway. I am the nail in your wrist, but you love me anyway. I am Judas's kiss, but you love me anyway. I am the man who yelled out from the crowd for your blood to be spilled on this earth-shaking ground. I turned away with a smile on my face, with sin in my heart. I tried to bury your grace. But then alone in the night, I called out for you, so ashamed of my life, my life. But you loved me anyway. See, I believe this soldier did what we all have to do with Jesus' death. death. We have to come to grips with who we are. See, I think Jesus' death caused this soldier to look beneath the surface of his life. And when you and I choose to be baptized, we have to come to grips that, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. He was sent to do what you and I couldn't do for ourselves. We can't connect with God because beneath our lives... We have a sin problem. See, this Roman soldier, he had to look at his life, but he also had to look at the life that was dying in front of him. Jesus shook the, the, the life of this soldier. It unearthed something that caused him to say, surely this man is the son of God. I hope over these three months there's been some conviction take place as we've looked at his authority, his power, his life. And today we look at his death, burial, and resurrection. But here's what I challenge you. Is your conviction going to lead you to action? There was a study done on people who had had heart bypass surgery. They say in the U.S., 700,000 people have heart bypass surgery every year. And what happens is the doctor is going to sit down with you after the surgery and he's going to say, this is a temporary fix. This is going to help for a little while, but unless you make some changes, you're going to find yourself right back here again. And that's when the doctor is going to tell you the changes you have to make. You probably have to do some dieting. You probably have to do some exercising. You're probably not going to be able to smoke. You're not going to be able to drink. You're going to have to do things differently. And you know what? Almost every, all those 700,000 patients are going to say, I'm like, I'm all in. I'm going to make those changes. I'm going to do things differently. And then what they did is they surveyed all of them two years later. Guess what they found? No changes. They're still going to make some changes. They said 90% of the patients who said they were going to do something did nothing. So I just want to challenge you today. If you have had some conviction, if there's something going on, we want to challenge you today to do something with it. Guys, the Roman soldier he saw Jesus' death and he had to come to grips with his own sin. And I just want to challenge you. What are you going to do today? It's kind of like what I said in the video. What are you waiting for? 
We're coming to a time where we just thought it'd be a nice place to insert this in our services. Each week we come around the Lord's table and we're going to do that here in just a moment. It's a time for us to remember Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. It's actually a time for those of us who have been baptized to actually just say, thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. Thank you for doing what I couldn't do on my own. Guys, also at the tables, it's a time for giving. But I really want you to understand, today is Baptism Sunday. So here in just a moment, I'm going to kind of ask you to stand, come to the tables. And if you haven't been baptized, if you don't call yourself a follower of Christ, I'm just going to kind of sit right down here and if... If you want to make that decision, and like I said, throughout this service, we're going to give you different opportunities, but right here's one right in front of you. If you want to do that, come down and talk to me. So I invite you to the tables right now. Remember his death, burial, and resurrection. Why don't you come? See, when we come to grips with who we are, that song was called Living Hope. We need a living hope. Let me tell you about the second person we're going to talk about today. Her, her name is Mary, Mary Magdalene. See, her story is quite different from that of the soldiers because she had come to grips with who she was. She had been healed by Jesus from having seven demons inside her, and she also was at Jesus' crucifixion when he died. See, Mary had developed this great faith, but her faith ran into great disappointment. Great disappointment is probably a little bit of an understatement because I would tell you her faith was shattered. In the final chapter of Mark, Mary and two other women, they're, they're going to the tomb of Jesus. They had spices to kind of put on the dead body of Jesus, but they realized that the stone that was in front of the tomb was probably going to be too heavy for the three of them to move. Look at what Mark writes. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body lay. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Now, just as he told you before he died, the women fled the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Now, guys, let me make sure you understand what happened. They were just told that Jesus has risen from the dead. They're still scared to death. It almost sounds like something you'd expect in the middle of a graveyard. How many of you have left the cemetery and you've been told of hope, but still hurts? Sometimes you don't always know what to say in a cemetery. Trembling and bewildered are probably very accurate in its description. You're kind of afraid of the unknown. There's uncertainty of the future that's real in your life. That's actually how Mark's gospel ends. You kind of get to verse 8, and if you kind of looked in your Bible or looked in a Bible app, it kind of stops right there, and it says, most ancient manuscripts end here. Now, there's some other manuscripts that give us some other verses, but can you imagine ending there? It's almost like you want to scream, it can't be like this. It just can't end like that. Well, today, I just, I wonder if there's some of you that have walked in like Mary and there's some words that are big and real like fear, uncertainty, disappointment. Maybe you've been disillusioned by some things. See, life has shattered your dreams in some way and I just wonder, has it shattered your faith? 
Well, I want to look a little closer to the story because I think there's a few things we can learn about Jesus' burial that we can apply to our lives. And See, Jesus has been dead for about three days by the Jewish way of counting. And these women take spices to the tomb and maybe we could call them the Spice Girls. That's cheesy, but you're going to remember it, okay? You're going to remember it. Guys, these, these women were mourning. Yes, they were going to put spices on Jesus, but they were mourning the death of their faith. They were doing the best they could. They had spices, but they weren't sure they had the strength to move this stone. See, the tomb, we said, it's kind of like a cave, and they'd rolled this big stone, and Mark says it's very large, so they probably couldn't do it. They were worried about that. and See, it kind of tells us they were questioning their physical strength, but I think they were questioning a lot more. They were probably questioning their emotional state, their spiritual strength, this faith that they had. They were depleted. Look back kind of with me, part of that verse. It says, but as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large and had already been rolled aside. Catch this. God had been working out what they were so worried about. God had already been working that out. And I just want to ask you, maybe that's the case for you today. Maybe there's something you walked in here with that you've just been dragging along and you have been worried about. And what if the God of the universe is working on your behalf and you just don't know it yet? Here's a big key that I think we've got to take away. These women took a step of faith when their faith was shattered. Notice, they're the only ones. This is probably between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. when they're, so they're going real early in the morning and they're the only ones there. You got to kind of question, where were the disciples? They were probably 12 of them could have helped move the stone away. These women could have stayed back with everyone else, but they would have missed what God was doing. So if you're kind of in that spot today, can I just challenge you to risk taking a step of faith for whatever's uncertain, for whatever seems disappointing. You may find yourself right in the middle of big hurts. Take a step. Even if you're really disappointed right now, take a step. Even if you find yourself right smack dab in the middle of a graveyard like Mary, I want to challenge you to take a step because God is working. Now, the other thing I want you to notice is what they went looking for they went looking for a dead body to put spices on. I think we'd probably say, thank God that they didn't find that. So here's what I want you to understand. If you're willing to take a step, a little risk of faith, you may find something different than you started out looking for. And I believe what you'll find because this God of the universe is working on your behalf, it'll be much better than what you thought you looked for. And after they realized that the stone was gone, there's this angel says he rolled away he he sat down not because he was tired here's what I'd tell you hope you've noticed some of these eyewitness accounts Mark here says it's a very large stone he's descriptive about it he could have just said an angel said these things but he actually says an angel is sitting down and the reason is is because in Jewish custom if you were a rabbi or a teacher when you got ready to teach you sat in a place of authority because you had something to say and I would tell you that this angel has something to say to these women you see, I think he really wants them to understand that what you thought you couldn't do has already been done for you. And see, some of you, if you've not been baptized today, if you have not made Jesus kind of Lord and Savior of your life, we want you to understand you can't go to the grave by yourself. 
You don't have what it takes. That's why we read this story as something has been done for you that you cannot do on your own. I just wonder if a decision to follow Christ feels like there's this big stone in front of you. I think that's why we got this story. God is working on your behalf for something you thought you couldn't do. So the real question for you today is, can you accept this gift that God has given you by believing and confessing and being baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The angel kind of says one other thing. He says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body lay. We just stop us right there because I believe this is one of the great challenges for us becoming a follower and being baptized. We have to come to grips with who Jesus is. That was the challenge put in front of Mary. See, she came looking for a dead body. But the angel's saying, Mary, there's a different verdict here. He's alive. He's risen. And you see, I think the angel's trying to help her out a little bit. And I think he's saying that to you and I. You and I have to come to grips with who Jesus is. See, one of the problems is not so much with Jesus. Sometimes our problem is more of our perception of who we've made Jesus out to be. And this angel is bringing a lot of clarity here. Now the angel goes on and he tells her, he says, now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. This angel, again, is helping Mary out. He's got some things to say. He's saying, Jesus is alive, but there's more. And see what the more is, he's telling this to you and I and to Mary, it doesn't end right here in the grave. This doesn't end in a grave, there's more. And I think the reason he mentions Galilee, because Galilee was a place of life. I got to go over there 20 years ago and there's such a contrast between Jerusalem and Galilee. Galilee's green and it's pretty and got water and that's where Jesus spoke to crowds. That's where he called his disciples. That's where he spent time with his father. It was a place of mission. And I think this angel is reminding Mary that it doesn't end here in the grave. There's more and there's more mission that Jesus has for you and everyone. So guys, I just want to remind you, we have to come to grips with who Jesus is. Now, we looked at Mark's gospel, but let me just tell you one last thing here. John's gospel gives us a little more insight. We have different eyewitness accounts. And John's gospel tells us after Mary runs and tells the disciples, hey, he's not here. She evidently comes back and returns to the graveyard. And it says she's found crying. And somebody says, why are you crying? She thinks it's the gardener. And when she sees him, she says, hey, if you've taken Jesus' body, just tell me. I'll go get it. And then she hears this word. She hears her name and says, Mary. See, Jesus had said her name a thousand times, but I think this was the first time that it really made sense because she came to grips with who Jesus really is. He told her the same thing, the angel. Hey, you can't hang on to me right now. There's more. Go tell the disciples. And when she goes and tells them, almost like the Roman soldier, she says, I've seen the Lord. I've seen him. Guys, we want you to be able to say that today. Here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to kind of have a worship song. You're welcome to join in. But kind of in the middle of that song, there's going to be a, a baptism today. We had a couple in the first service throughout this month. We've had, I think I heard eight or nine. So 
Again, if you're thinking about it, we're ready to do it. So we're going to continue to worship right now. And we're going to see some people, kind of like Mary, her day ended very differently than it started. Their day is going to end very different than it started today. I think Mary, because she came to grips with who Jesus was, she could almost sing that last song, you've never failed me yet. Let's talk about our final person. Let me just tell you the point. I've kind of saved it to the end of the other stories about you've got to come to grips with who you are and you've got to come to grips with who Jesus is. But let me just, if you're going to become a follower of Christ and you're going to be baptized, you're going to have to come to grips with what stands in your way. I just ask you today, what's your hurdle? Kind of like in there, what, what, if, what, if you, what are you waiting for? Are you kind of one of these facts people that's kind of got to have everything in order and it's got to be black and white? Well, let me tell you an important truth kind of from this last story that we're going to look at. Even when you have hurdles that seem impossible to get over, Jesus still shows up. I want to show you what John writes. And, now, this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The disciples have heard from Mary that he's alive, but they haven't seen him yet. So they're still scared to death, locked in a room, that the Jews are going to do what they did to Jesus. So look where, what John says to us. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Guys, they were behind locked doors. They had confined themselves with their doubts and their fears. And then Jesus just shows up. He didn't kind of jiggle the door. He didn't do the secret Jesus knock to get in. He just appears. So one thing's easy on the surface to kind of see right here. There may be something you feel like you can't get out of. I just want to remind you, Jesus can always get in. Whatever hurdle you're facing, no door can stop him. No wall can keep him out. If you still have some doubts about this decision, this story that we're going to tell you, a guy named Thomas, it ought to pump you up. Look, let's go a little further. It says one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came in. He told them, or they told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side. Guys, Thomas missed it. You ever kind of had something, something big that you just missed? I'm sure every one of the disciples, that's probably all they talked about all the time. And Thomas probably got tired of hearing it. Look down a little further. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, same as before. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he says. Then he turns to Thomas. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. And Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. That's what all three people have said. They've come to this conclusion, this place to where Jesus is Lord. I guess what I love about this passage is Jesus has shown up for everybody else in the room. And now he shows up for one. You can kind of look back at Luke 15 and Jesus told all kinds of stories about a lost coin that everybody looked for and a lost sheep that kind of made sure they found and a lost son that came home. You see, here's what I'd tell you. Jesus shows up for the one. And I got to ask you, what, what do you do when you've kind of got a hurdle in your life for this big doubt or something just kind of standing in your way, especially in the area of faith? 
That's what it was for Thomas. He was really struggling. But here's what I want you to understand. For eight full days, he stayed with the group. Even though he may have got tired of hearing them talk about it, he didn't try to do it on his own. He didn't go off by himself. He didn't try to go out and figure it out on his own. He stayed around the people that could help him. But I do want to just put a note of caution on Thomas' story. I love that Jesus showed up for the one. But I would tell you, I think sometimes we put unrealistic demands and unfair demands on God. See, he showed up for Thomas. But I don't think God should have to or will he always condescend to our demands. I think Jesus loved Thomas dearly and that's why he showed up. But I think this story is a little bit more about the humility that Thomas had to respond with. Can you imagine Jesus showing up and going, Thomas, come here. I want you to put your finger right here. Can you imagine reaching over? Thomas, right here. Put your hand right here. Guys, here's what I'd tell you. If you feel like Thomas and you've got some things standing in your way, I pray God will show up in a real way and try to remove any of the hurdles you have. But I also pray that you will be able to respond in real humility for his love for you. Today, we've kind of looked at three different stories. Their days started off a little differently, very differently than they actually ended up because they came to grips with who they are They came to grips with who Jesus is and they came to grips with what was standing in their way. And guys, I think it'd be easy for you to sit on that side over there and kind of go, well, Todd, (laughs) they all got to see Jesus. Doesn't that make it easier? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said to that group after he told Thomas, put your hands in here. Look what he says. You believe disciples because you have seen me. Blessed are those who will believe without seeing me. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. Guys, baptism is something that we put a lot of emphasis on here at Capital City. But we want you to, we want to be very clear. Baptism is not what saves you. The reason we put this kind of emphasis is because we think this reflects what happened throughout the history of the church in the book of Acts. But we don't believe that water saves a person. We believe that the blood of Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection is what saves someone. Ephesians says, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. So it's not the water. It's Jesus who saves. Hope you're clear today. Baptism is this picture of what God does in our lives when we believe him, confess him, and are baptized. See, baptism identifies with Jesus, identifies us with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. We enter the water as people who are broken, lost, disconnected from God. And when we emerge, represents that we've been washed of our sins. We are clean and purified, a brand new person. Baptism identifies this incredible work that God has done through his son, but it also symbolizes the incredible work that's going on in our lives. Guys, if you've been baptized, if you're thinking about it, Maybe the people who've been baptized there. I want you to understand two things. First one's up on your screen. Baptism is an inside job. Yes, we outwardly participate and we identify with Jesus, but the real work is happening on the inside of someone. There's nothing significant. Today, we've had a grandmother. We've had a youth minister. We've had uh, a dad. I think we had a mom and a dad last time. Nothing significant about the person baptized. There's nothing significant. We don't have water brought in from any special place. But what's special is the work that God is doing on the inside. Just listen to Psalm 51. I didn't put it up here because 
I just want you to listen to it. It's a great verse. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your compassion. Blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify my sins. You hear those words? Wash, purify, blot out. Second thing. It's not only an inside job, it's a public declaration. You are declaring what God has done through his son and you're declaring what God is doing in your life. When somebody comes up out of that water, you know something's different. Sometimes maybe you've been in places where they've said, hey, pray this prayer. Raise your hand if you make a decision. It's tough to tell what's going on. But when somebody comes up, there's something visible difference and we're trusting that God is doing that inside kind of work. Guys, for several months, we've talked about this. We've talked about his power, his authority. We've looked at different eyewitness accounts. We can talk about it and tell you, but here's what I'd tell you. There's nothing like the reality of being a Jesus follower. Last year, about this time, our daughter Mackenzie and her husband Billy, they gave us this little box on Easter. We didn't know what was in it, we, uh, but here it was right here. Little booties, they were pregnant. And you can see this next slide, this is a couple pictures that they, we're reading this little note and I mean, we had no clue, okay? And then we start going laughing, crying, all those kind of things. And, and then after about eight or 10 weeks, we got this. Man, I was, it's like a picture of your kid. I'm going around going, hey, look at my grandchild, you know? <laughs> You're just a crazy, you become a crazy person, okay? But I can tell you, there's nothing like the real thing. This is Marley Ann Blankenship, okay? Some of you saw earlier, she, they were in the first service and some of you saw her. Just, I mean, guys, here's what I'd tell you. The reality, I, I love the ultrasound. I love the little booties. They sit on a little place on our mantle. But when I'm with her, I, I've usually got a lot of things going on up here, things I got to do. And I don't think about much when I'm with her. She's the focus. And here's what I'd tell you from today. If you kind of identified with the soldier or Mary or some of the words we talked about, like disappointment or doubt or, man, you just lack purpose, maybe the reality of being a follower of Jesus needs to be your focus. Maybe that's what needs to dominate your mind. And I don't know if you noticed some of our shirts. Maybe if words like doubt and disappointment are things that dominate, maybe it needs to be words like, I think Michael said, forgiven. Some of them say, made alive. Mine says, all in. We're getting ready to sing a song. And again, we tell you, Baptism Sunday is not over, okay? If you want to make a decision, I'm going to be right down here. And we'd love to just jump in there. I'll jump in just like this, okay? And we'll baptize you. But the song we're going to sing, it says, victory. What if you allowed Jesus to change some of those words to things like restoration, grace, forgiveness, and victory? That's something that's real. And we'd love that to be real for you. Let's stand and we're going to sing. If you've got a decision, love to talk with you.